Welcome. It's another season of Lion Tales. This is Tanya. Join me, Alvin, and Jojo as we continue to explore and discuss stories from the diaspora. Our voices. Our stories. We still over here roaring. Where y'all at? And what up, what up? We are Boom. back. We are back. We are back. Season two, episode two. How y'all doing? I'm good. Sis, let's start with you. How you feel? Oh, that's a can of worms. You know that people, I'm going to be like, Grandma, oh, my leg, my <laughs> gout. Yo, you really wanted me to say I'm good, right? No, I mean, I wanted. I, I respect you, and I want to know how you're doing. Um, I, You know what? I feel like if you just gave me like a million dollars, I'd feel better. Okay. Okay. And if you, well, ain't, if you ain't get there, We have to find another way for you to feel better. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> well, I'm doing as good as, as well as I can with this denial, brother. Okay. I'm going to well, power through. Just power through to the end you of this ep. And, and then, then you'll give me a million? No, I'm saying if something happens after this ep, we can plan for it and keep the pod going. <laughs> 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 That's a good one. <laughs> Alvin, what's up, man? How you oh, feeling? Oh, man, I'm feeling great. Life is good. Every day is a blessing, man. I'm feeling great. Okay. Okay. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. All right, man. Well, you know why we're here, what we do. We're, we're diving into topics and, uh, you know, things that impact the diaspora. Um, today, you know, today's episode is who shot you. We're talking about the many ways that America is killing black people. Mm. Uh, I want to I start with a quote from uh, Shirley Chisholm. And it sort of indirectly relates to this, but it's, it's racism is so universal in this country, so widespread and deep-seated, that it is invisible because it is so normal. So a lot of these things that are done or um, systems that are in place that impact and shorten our lifespans and things like that are not easily visible to the non-discerning eye. Right. So we don't even acknowledge that it exists. I.e. white privilege. There you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah, so today, as we talk about those things, uh, we're going to talk about why is America so dangerous for black people? I came up with a few areas um, that I thought were, were pressure points, um, things that, that impact our lifespan, how long we're able to exist here. Uh, the police, right? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the- Police brutality. Yeah, or, or, or let's, let's say the- The, the, the institution. Ju- the, ju- the judicial system. Uh, okay. Pl- every, everything that's a system. part of that. The legal, the legal system, system, everything that's a part okay. of that. Food? Food. 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 Okay. Uh, in, in America, in our communities, there's a much higher prevalence of convenience stores than actual grocery stores. Gotcha. More food deserts. Yeah, we we yeah we are Fast most black food. people in America live in food deserts, so we do not have access to healthier cuts of meat, better quality vegetables, things that impact lifespan, environment. Uh, okay. Most black communities are in less desirable areas of cities um, until their areas become less desirable, then they take our area and move us to the now new less desirable area. I.e. So gentrification. It's always, yes. Come on, Alvin. Exactly. Man, Alvin's yes. speaking from the good yeah. book already. I like it. <laughs> okay. um, and then one thing that we heard mentioned during the pandemic from the government was the fact that the stress of living in America shortens black people's lives. Yes. So if that's not an admission that you're doing something to us, I don't know what would be. Um, but let's let's dive into those I, things. Those things. Before we do that, before we forgot, I'm surprised you don't have health care. I was gonna say medical, 
and so, health disparities. You put that in in under one of the other ones, right? Um. So yes, yeah. I mean, and I wanted to leave some space for y'all to add some things too. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't, didn't want to be the, I didn't want to be the only one. I work in. Yeah. So, so now we. That was my yeah. next thing. What other things can y'all name? That are it's that are killing healthcare. us. Healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. So and not only do we ha- not have access to food, if we develop an illness from the fact that you give us bad food, or they now can't, we can't get they it, they can't treat us because ph- pharmaceutical companies don't have the right representation of people. pharmaceutical companies are racist. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that too. <laughs> I'm laughing because I said I work. Listen, and I think that that's always a thing, right? I I, I concur without going deeper I could but what if I add something else here though and this could be controversial y'all could strike it down number one is education okay okay but the other one that I said is controversial and I could give an explanation is religion Whoa. okay I want to hear that I want to hear that all right let's let's go let's go through those let's let's just go through them real quick and kind of talk about how we how we think they kill us all right so the police I think the judicial system that one's kind of obvious right like we have Let's let's start. Let's before we get to the obvious police brutality of hey, I got a speeding ticket and you killed me. Um, we have things like there are studies that show white people are more likely to carry illegal paraphernalia. Uh, there's information that shows that police believe they're more in danger when they're around us. Correct. Right? All of these sy- systemic things lead them to act in a way that's harmful for us. Right. Um, what, what, what ways do y'all do do y'all think the judicial system, the legislation, all of those things are kind of are kind of holding us by our throats? Well, I think of Ava the Thirteenth because we talked about reparations, we talked about slavery a lot, but the Thirteenth Amendment still co- codifies slavery into law if you are arrested, and I think that people kind of whitewash that and don't say that so harshly. That is slavery. So Companies black people are policed harder policed so harder, that they can be put more. back into a system of slavery, even though white people are more likely, statistically, to carry some of these illegal items that black people are more frequently arrested for. They take drugs at like weed. They smoke it at a slightly higher weight, but it's almost on par. But you're like seven times more likely to get arrested for it if you're black. So sometimes when people say, well, black people commit more crime, untrue. Black people are held more accountable and black people are policed for it. And I think 4% of the population, 4% of the global population, 25% of the world's prisoners with an over index. Well, we are here because white people committed crime. Well, that's what I was about to bring up, right? If (laughs) you you look at this country, what are we like 13% of the population in the U.S.? Mm -hmm. I think it's up to 14.6. And then the prison system is... I Don't think it's up to 14.6 is hilarious. Like her random number was 14.6. No, I think 14. she knows. No, it was 14.6 because, oh, well, not a think. It was a, I looked it up the other oh, yeah, day. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I, I thought that was cool. Yeah, prison, no, because I said think. The prison population of people of color, would you say like 20, 25%, I think that's what you quoted? No, that we're, the U.S. is 4% of the world's population, but we are 25% of the world's prisoners, and we have an over-index in prison like we're fourteen point six percent of the total population. We're not fourteen point six percent of the prison population. I don't know that. We, we, we're we're, we're incarcerated at a much higher a rate. Much higher it's rate. the same thing with police killings, right? Like that's that's the thing that white people will try to say to you. Well, more white people get killed by police. Well, yeah, you know, there's way more of y'all. Right. We get killed at a much higher rate. Um, so you know, I actually, I actually that's had per capita that one the up. normalization. Where anytime you have yeah. to do that, Alvin's big into that. Right, right. Research guy. 
Um, and, and I think there's an argument out there that the prison system is a form of modern day slavery. Yeah, that's what she well, said. Well, that's what I was just saying, the 13th yeah, yeah, Amendment. Yeah. Absolutely. It, and then, and not only that, because then they turned it over to private prison. They made it capitalistic. It is beneficial to the economy of America for people to be in jail. That is what we do here. We try to commodify everything so that we can throw you a couple of dollars so that you don't get what you rightfully deserve, which is equal yeah. treatment or right. equity and things like that. So it's like, well, we're still going to do what we do to you, but here. And we find a little bit of comfort, and I'm not blaming people because we've talked about you know the things that kill you here. And so once you find that little bit of comfort, you just try to make it through. So then we we kind of... We're not always fighting against these things because we want to just enjoy life. Right. Because yeah, it would be and, constant and, and there would yeah. be no enjoyment. And again, I keep going back. I think <laughs> the theme from my conversation tonight is all about gaslighting because that's what happens. Right? Because then the, the argument on the other side is, well, if you guys don't commit more crimes, right, mm -hmm. we won't put you in, 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 a, in a judicial system. But, you know, the random stopping you, you're seen as a threat. Wait, actually, you're not, right? Stuff like that. So you automatically profile. So all of those things are being done to put you in the system. And the people who are, let's let's just call it what it is, right? Like, it is 2022, right? My mom is still alive. My mom went to a segregated school. Yeah. My, my dad went to segregated schools. These people who are the police officers in these communities now, communities now they're the kids of the Jerry Jones who were standing outside of high schools when schools were being integrated. Can I add a fun it, fact? It's it's not gone. It's mm -hmm. not different. You said that about mom there. You know what I thought of? Mom was born in 1954, and Brown versus the Board of Education, Topeka, Kansas, was 1954. And I think that it's important to call those things out because people are like, oh, schools desegregated in 1954. No, they didn't. They had to bring the National Guard because mm -hmm. they was— they Because were, white people— White people were— Were trying to harm black people for trying to get educations and access to— what was supposed to be the American dream, but it's just the white dream. And getting access based on a law that went, based on a case that went to the Supreme Court. Dad went to school with white people at the end of his high school career, which was 68, 69, right? So it took like 14 years in Virginia. Which is also added stress, because something that my sister pointed out to me, um, we always have to go into white environments. That's all integration ever was, was to make them more comfortable and right. feel good. But it was never about the hostility and how it made us feel. But we, we talked about that in the code switching episode where we have to basically accommodate them. Man, by, that's an A1 callback. I love it. <laughs> by, yeah. by code switching, right? Just so we can make them feel comfortable. Um, but getting back to, to the conversation as far as why America is so dangerous for black folks, we talk about ju the judicial system that is clear. Uh, but I'm really interested in hearing the other one you talked about, which is food. Yeah, that's actually next. So, so all right, what, what ways do we think food? Because I, I started with some of it, right? Like the high number of convenience stores. We don't have access to this quality stuff. Um, and then, you know, some of these changes I'm not saying that they're bad because we, because of the way the system is, we need to get people help in a way that they can use it, right? So I like the idea of, um, is it TANF, SNAP, and, and funds yes. being able to be used at convenience stores because, and oftentimes, in, like in my community, I live in Southeast Washington, D.C., there are people in my neighborhood who have never seen the White House. So if they can't travel that, that distance to get to food, I need them to be able to eat where they, are. where they are. But what I wish would happen that we could have some organic foods and some vegetables and some fresh meats and some better cuts where they live too. Mm. 
Um, and, and that compounds some of the other issues we're talking about. So when we're talking about health care and we talk about diseases like hypertension or diabetes or all those things, that comes from lower quality food. Mm-hmm. And you adjust based on what you have access to. That's yeah. why that's why soul food came about. You gave us terrible scraps of food. We had to doctor it up so we could eat this. Right. Like right. Th- yeah. this is also something done to us. And that's just what I was thinking. And I, I'm also going to, and it's my public service announcement because I say this because I work in pharma, vegetables and stuff and fruit, and people say that it's very expensive. You can pay for it in produce, y'all, or you can pay for it in pills. So there's some stuff that we can do. That's just my personal shout-out, love letter to my people. You can pay for it in produce or you can pay for it in pills. I've been talking about things breaking down and more pills and things I have to change. It's a real thing. But also when you say food, you brought up, Look at the things that they had us eating because of slavery, and we still eat some of those things today. You you know, and that seems like it is not impactful, but it is. It is very hard to change a behavior. So some of the foods that make us have more hypertension and more of some of these negative things are ingrained like in what we eat because that's what we had for several hundred years, and behaviors don't change that easily. White people still don't use seasoning. Right. And, and a lot so. of the, a lot of the illnesses <laughs> that we think are um, strictly genetic in nature. Right. Are really habitual in nature. Right? right. Yeah. So like, yes, you have a lot of the same illnesses as your mother and your grandmother and your grandfather because you learned how to cook from your grandmother. Right. and She taught your mother and she taught you and you all all eating the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're all going to end up at the same destination. So one, one thing I think that kind of brings bring this home for me as far as food. It's funny, a friend, a friend of mine, we were driving down the soft side, right? Soft side Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, you know, Riverdale, you know, by the airport, College Park. And we were talking about when you get into the hood, what you notice are a number of fast food chains. You see fast food, you see package store in Georgia, liquor store, right? And it's crazy what you see is like on a, on a maybe a two mile radius, you would probably see 10 or 20 KFC, Burger King, uh, church's chicken and, and all these crazy food that it's a snowballing effect that associated with heart disease, uh, you know, high cholesterol, hypertension, all these different diseases in this country. And that, that correlates with that. And one of the things that really bring it home for me uh, was COVID. When you look at the impact that COVID had in America, specifically in our community, and you look at places like Africa, and you look at places like the Caribbean, there was always a question when you watch the news, why the fuck Africa is an interesting case? Why people aren't dying so much in Africa, mm-hmm. right? Or in the Caribbean because of COVID. And it goes back to eating organic food and how those people live there and stuff like COVID didn't kill those people at the rate that it was here because of those comorbidities that they call it heart disease hypertension and so forth one of the things we talked about on the hip-hop app was um you know hip-hop coming from america and then as it spread through the diaspora the diaspora sending something you know back (laughs) unfortunately i think one of the things we sent out from our diaspora was from from this part of diaspora back was how we consume meat and how we prepare foods because outside of western culture Generally, throughout history, meat was more of an accessory than just like the per- the whole meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that, hey, I'm not blaming black Americans because we did what we had to do to make it here. Um, and we did. We are continuing to do what we have to do to feed our families and, you know, put food on people's tables. 
And it takes uh, which years. is why I'm trying to focus on the fact that we don't have access to these things and we need those to, to rectify. It yeah, takes but years to unlearn things. And you said that, and I always shout this out too, is black people are more likely to be vegans. And I know our community says a lot about that, but you have a higher propensity and a higher likelihood to become a vegan as a black person because most of our natural foods are very vegetable and mm -hmm. fruit-based. Even when we eat poorly in America, black kids eat vegetables. And I, I, I've had a plethora of friends, and that doesn't happen everywhere, right? Well, in well, all communities. The, the, the reason why I think Joe mentioned races. why is it bad for black folks, right? When you think about eating healthy in America, um, there's two things. One is it's not accessible in our community. So therefore, people have to travel far and beyond to get access to it, which ties back to the income disparity, the household, they can't afford it, so therefore you can't go to those places. Number two, eating healthy is expensive in this country. Now, I'm going to give a little pushback there. It's um, kind of not. It, 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 it is well, to I'm the extent. Well, I'm saying organic, right? Let me talk about organic. I guess the same thing, it, but go ahead. It, it is to the extent that America is expensive. So I'm not going to say it's not expensive. Um, but a lot of the way that we shop and the things that we buy are because we live here and the right. stuff that we've kind of picked up along the way. Um, and I know it's not like a storied or super fun existence but if i don't have much money i don't eat chips i don't chew gum i don't buy sodas i don't do any of those things but if i live in a food desert that's all the store has right but but so i'm saying that the money that, you have yeah, to eat that, let me give you things. an example right so for a black family that live in a place like atlanta right if you have a hundred dollars to feed your three kids right uh what can you buy and that's what you have for the entire month possibly at a Whole Foods, for example, versus you can go to Safeway or Piggly Wiggly or whatever mm -hmm. it is and buy all the unhealthy shit now, that is going to last you the entire, or go to KFC and buy the Happy Meal. I'm not going to tell That's you that you're going to be though. able to get the, the whole, the, you know, from with that $100 at Whole Foods, you're going to be able to feed a family of three or three kids. Right. Family of three. I don't know if you, I don't know where I live, you couldn't feed a family of three for a month off $100 at Safeway either, you know, but we're talking about a mind shift change, right? So what they would be shopping for would be different. Would be different. Right, the, the reason, one of the reasons our bills are so high, like people told me all pandemic, right, about how much the food costs have gone up. I didn't really see none of that until the very end because I don't buy none of that stuff. Like the, the chicken was crazy, but I don't eat chicken. Chicken was expensive. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, so. Um, and I'm not sorry, saying that everyone ahead, should be, ahead. I'm not saying everyone should be vegan. I'm just saying right. that there could yeah, be adjustment. Yeah, chicken. I, there could be, <laughs> I, I don't miss chicken. There, could be, there could be an adjustment made to how much of this that I buy as opposed to this. Right. Because there are some things that are very inexpensive that are very, um, that have some nutrients that you can mix with some other things. Around the world, what, what foods that were paired together generally came from what people could afford right so the reason we see rice and beans so prevalent in certain parts of the world is because they're inexpensive and putting those things together can give you a complete amino acid chain right right protein sets and all of those things so they adjusted based on what they had access to and what they could afford and they are healthier than us from that now we extend life longer because we have all these things that make us live long so we can keep working and fueling capitalism but the quality of life ain't good at that part yeah. of it they're healthier than us, eating for less, and they don't always have, quote, organic foods. They just, they're buying more whole foods. You may not be able to buy the Triscuits or the Doritos or everything like that if you have 100, if you only have $100, but you, you can, you, I see my mom do stuff like that. Like when we 
had a little less bread, feeding six people every night, real meals, taking like yeah. real food to lunch, like her making you food, and we didn't have no money. Like not not in those days, the family didn't have much bread. It can be it can. And be I done. think it's it's because with the examples, the Whole Foods, it was Safeway. But one of the things that she did is, and now it's expensive because things have flipped. But okay, grocery stores are expensive, so I'm going to go to the farm. And instead of getting chicken parts, where people now get chicken legs, chicken wings, she got the whole chicken and butchered it. If they had gave us our forty acres, we would have grown. No, no. it would have been. It, yeah, see what I'm saying? Would have been. We yeah, had our the, own the, chickens. The point I'm trying to make is that. <clears throat> if you have the hundred dollars, and I keep going to kind of bring it to life, is that you? Part of it. There's two things. One is, as you mentioned, is a mindset shift, right? Because all we see on TV and an advertorial and all of that is KFC and unhealthy eating and blah blah blah. And you can tell the people because you would know marketing works. It does. Marketing, well, yeah, marketing it is does. manipulation. It's yeah, our world. It, it we can marketing is, do, is, in a sense, gaslighting. Yeah, yeah we can get you to do what well. we want you to do, right? By by increasing frequency, right? We can get you. Yeah. To, we can change your mindset. And even when people think they don't pay attention, it's subliminal, and you yeah. do because oh, sure. a message bombarding you, regardless of what it is, good or positive, you're going to have some retention. Right. So, just one last one on this, and we can move on to the other one. The reason why I said that is because. If you have a hundred dollars and you're saying, "Okay, I can feed my kids quickly with ten dollars, uh, a bucket of chicken from KFC," versus I got to go to the grocery store or to a, a Whole Foods or whatever farmers market, and then I got to spend twenty-five dollars on just the meat, right? Uh, organic meat or thirty dollars, and just to have an entire meal available for your family for a week or even two weeks. That hundred dollars won't take you far. So therefore, all the fast food joint that they have in the neighborhood is much easier, and you, it, that dollar goes a long way. That's a good. That's a good tie-in to one of the other things that could take us right to stress. So what you basically said is there's a stress that causes them to make that decision. Right. Right. So if even if I have maybe access, maybe I could make that extra effort and go over here and get some better food, and I do know how to grocery shop and all those things. There's still the stress of having to manage living in this world, making all these things work, doing all these extra things that people from other cultures here don't have to do. Like, uh, you know, in wealthy, I just, I was just in Florida, in wealthy communities in Fort Lauderdale, they don't have to worry where they're gonna get fresh groceries. Right. Like they don't have to when they when we stopped at just like the local coffee shop, like the avocado was super fresh. That's I don't know where I could get avocado toast in my neighborhood. They don't have to focus on their physiological needs, like I need food, I need water, because they know they're going to have that stuff, which then give them more space to tend to their psychological needs, right? And I think that's... Good tie in the stress. So we talked about psychological Mm -hmm. need is is, is stress. Me managing all of these psychological demands that racism has placed on me as as a black person in America is stressful and limits my life expectancy. That's not from me. That's from the federal government. And I think that's from white people. Isn't it also, too, like if you think about it, right, that there is a chemical change in the brains of people that were enslaved. I can't remember what that area of the brain is, but where your reactions to things like some of are like, oh, black people are aggressive or black people. Are yeah, because they have been so traumatized that your immediate reaction is I need to defend myself. This is people get killed. Right. And then if you you look at that and then you look at there was this study that said that black children in. Um, low-income neighborhoods in America by the time they go to kindergarten have PTSD levels similar to soldiers returning from war. Mm. Mm. 
which makes me want to cry. I said that and my chest hurt. So so we've talked about some of the ones I listed. I want to make sure we talk about the ones y'all listed too. I think you said education. Education. Was, was one of yours. All right, so tell, tell, so tell us, how does how does education or lack of education, you know, shorten our life expectancies here? Or I'm going to look at it a different way. Education, in one way, shortens our life expectancies because of pa- people, the past is prologue. People with no past have no future. So if you look at things that are written and how our history is taught, that they really consolidate it to slavery that's the big enslavement is the big thing they teach you about yourself so when you're at school and like for us i was in a class i was the black kid so every time they talked about slavery people looking at me no i wasn't there it used to piss me off i had a reaction which was a stress reaction i don't think that i recognized it then but also the lack of education i think things are coming around a little bit now because there are companies that are saying we hire for the skill not the degree but they made a degree People didn't have to have degrees even in the 80s. So what I heard there was basically education is the way to get us to see that invisible system that uh, Shirley Chisholm was referencing. The the more we know, the more we'll see the threads of of how these things connect. I really like that. Yeah, no, for sure. You had another one too, though, Alvin. Outside of education, you added one. Well, I was talking about health, right? Health. That's right. right. Um, But I wanted to piggyback on that because, you know, there is this – when we're growing up, right, what, what, from what I understand here, uh, a lot of the, the black parents say, go to school, get an education, and get a good job, mm-hmm. and then you'll be okay, um, which is what you tell your kids, go to college, get a, you know, but what actually happens is you get that education, um, and that doesn't necessarily get you the good job. And because because of you're still of, black in the interview. You're still right. black in the interview, but then there's another part of it too, right? You get that education, but because of all of that other stuff that contributes to our deaths, you got some student loans, right? And then you got some more mm-hmm. stress, and right. then you might end up with all these other problems, right? So it's a it's a snowballing effect because a access to education is not prevalent, which means we got to go to if you want to go to a white school, you got to pay premium. Right. Or you got to apply for scholarship, which is a bunch of institutional barriers there also. And or, put yourself in a white environment, which is stressful. Exactly. Or if and you be go the kid to on a, aid, because that is a thing. Yeah. If you're at a really rich school, like, you know, like, and I'm going to say like a rich school, if you're at Harvard and you're the kid that's on aid, it's obvious. Yeah, exactly. Because you're on a black person. And they there. can take internships and opportunities that you maybe don't have access to because you don't have the money. Right. And then if you go to a HBCU. Right. Generally, when you come out, some of them don't even want to value education because you went to HBCU. Um, so anyway, it's a snowball. See, I, I wouldn't know nothing ah, about we that. Because we went to Howard. I, I was trying like, not to say it. When company want to hire, hire somebody black, they, they come see us. Right. Yeah, I was, I was trying not to say are. it. There's no, they say the well, we in Atlanta. They do the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. But what I'm saying, is, there, there are certain like Howard. Generally speaking, when a recruiter yes. goes to a PWI, they not looking for us. Uh, yeah. exactly. exactly. So you have a better chance coming out of like a yeah. Like, they go to HBCUs because they need to hire some black people. Correct. Right. All HBCUs are not equal, but correct. But going to the next one, which is health, which again I was talking about, is a snowballing effect. You have less doctors and people of color who are doctors so therefore they can't treat people we don't have you know folks that can treat people like Mm -hmm. us right we talk about for example in the maternity care there are a lot more 
black women who, you know, babies are dying and stuff like that because there's not enough doctors, right? Right. That's um, a that's a. I think we need we might need to do a future epo on that because yeah, I, one I of one of the reasons that that now, yeah. that that becomes tricky. Um, you know, HBCUs do an outside job of lifting people out of poverty, mainly because black people are are poor here, and that's what we do, right? So they take on a greater financial burden that the PWIs aren't interested in doing for for, for black people. Right. You know, that's just um, and then the other piece is quickly it is um, in pharma. There's not enough representation at all. At all. That's because um, the pharmaceutical industry is racist. I knew that you were going to repeat well, no, that. No, no, that's true because it has true. been. We talk about the Tuskegee experiment, right? We talk about... Um, Henrietta you know, Lacks, that was... The, or the, these companies are located in almost like white enclaves. Right. So to work there, you got to put yourself in a lily white environment. It's not comfortable. Right. Yeah, and I think that that's absolutely true because I think that's something that I mentioned to you, right? Like the representation at the companies is exactly equal. Yes, yeah, I was trying to. Oh, I, was I know. Trying to I do know. it without. I know. No, no, no. But listen, sometimes Joe, I got to get it okay, into my okay, full okay, chest. Okay. I know that's why I, I mentioned it. But yeah, because the representation at the companies equals the representation in the neighborhoods where they are. They are devoid of both Latinx and Black people, right? And you have all of these. You saw it with the vaccine. Those communities were the most hesitant. And it, it's, you know, and it hurt my soul because even though we were the most hesitant because of all the other issues, we were the most likely to have a negative impact. Things have now shifted, but it has to change. I think in farm, it's like 3%, 4% African-American. And then we're 14.6%, there go that stat, right? So it has to change because it has to change. And I want to point out how all these things overlap, right? So you, we had education, we had medical disparities, uh, we just talked about the Tuskegee experiment, how it related to vaccinations. So if historically, if you looked at the Tuskegee experiment, they withheld the treatment. Right. So the equivalent would be not taking the vaccine. Exactly. That would be not, right. that would be withholding the treatment. Exactly. That would be one to one. Exactly. If and you I just took the vaccine, you would have gotten the medicine in the Tuskegee experiment. Right. I mean, there, there, are and listen. there are there are plenty. Um, I, I was just going to bring one one thing quickly. Sorry, I, oh, I cut ahead. you off. No, you're good. When, when COVID first started, there were two French doctors, researchers, who were live on fucking TV, said, because there was a lot of debate around the vaccine, how they can get quick data to learn about treatment and whatnot. These motherfuckers said, why don't we do it like we did with the AIDS vaccine, the AIDS drugs in Africa, where we just went ahead and give it to the people and see what happens. Yeah, and I want to put, because, and white people are racist for that but also and i think it comes back to government corruption which could be another episode those countries said pay us and we'll get people here to take them right. so we are because of the systemic racism and i believe that it's because of colonialism that they're in such an impoverished place that they're like give us money and then we will test it here right and i don't think it's still a continuation of all of this stuff well, I, and sometimes I don't even think it's the government, honestly, right? I, I, I think it's private institution that just go ahead but and But sometimes and it's the government, Some, too. Sometimes yeah. it is. But the reason, and I was going to wrap this up on the health side mm. of things, the reason why it's not good because because of all of these historical events, Tuskegee experiment, right, um, the Belmont Report and all those things, black people are not trusting Correct. I'm not saying that the distrust. I'm not saying that we should not be skeptical. We should always. We be shouldn't skeptical. be 100% skeptical. But think about it, because Joe said it's stacked. If they hadn't stripped some of the things, like where we said that there's education 
or whatever where they stripped that from the black colleges when we talked about it the last time there'd be more black doctors there'd right. be less hesitancy mm-hmm. right so we 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 had a that was a really good list and we we kind of did that we well, had I'm one last one that I thought uh, was what 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 do we oh. think are our um paths to to safety from this harm right so i know one, one thing that that is a a big thing in the in the black community is voting right like mm-hmm. hey we need you voting blocks are very important I, I really do believe that a voting block is very important that's what we're talking about when we say black people need to vote I don't I don't think that we should shame individuals for not voting because that is a vote too right like whether we admit it or not partic- participating in the system is an acceptance of the system mm-hmm. right I'm talking about myself too so I'm, I'm not excluding me from that that is true if you continue to participate in the system you're helping the system keep going along mm-hmm. um, so you know, some people say, hey, what are we really going to change through voting? You know, there are things that are changed through voting. That doesn't mean everything is fixed through voting. Um, but I do think elected officials, you know, being able to uh, let's just look at the difference in between President 44 and whatever happened before we got 46. Like, right. Like that's a big difference in the impact on black people. Right. From voting. Right. Because of voting. That was a, a tangible thing that we can look at. Like, ooh. This time was was better for black. Well, I shouldn't say that because some people don't realize the things that President Barack Obama did for black people because they think he should have specifically said, hey, this is for black people. But in voting and legislation, white people won't allow those things to pass. So you have to, right. you know, you got to put the, 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 the medicine in, you know, the, the sugar. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's valid because more, more black people had health insurance after he left office than before. So there's Do you all think voting stuff. can change it, though? Do you think Do you think voting can save us from extreme harm? I think voting can save us from extreme harm if we flip-flop it. All politics is local. What happens at a national level is because of trends at the local level. Most people show up most consistently for the presidential election, but you really need to show up for who's going to be your mayor. So local politics. What about you? I mean, I'm with her, right? The way I look about voting, I look at it as having a seat at the table. Um specifically you know i'm gonna bring it back to like marketing if someone who doesn't look like you um see things through your lens they're not going to act in the best of your interests so if i'm relying on a white person to do things for black people he or she don't understand the struggle that we go through i have that conversation with her actually like because that's my thing like i know to, to tie that back to voting like the people who vote do the electing Right. Not the people who didn't vote. Right. So that's that is that's the same thing. Exactly. So it goes back to privilege, right? If I've been in certain position and I see things through my lens, there's no way I'm gonna see things through, you know, your lens. So if I'm in the position to influence legislation in a local neighborhood, um, then it's important to put people who look like you, who resonate with you, and can see you struggle. So I do believe voting can change. I think another another popular one that you know uh, we talk about as as a means to save us from harm is, is black capitalism, right? Right, like b- b- having our own things, our own financial methods. I actually don't think that can save us from harm because money is still a part of that system. So you are still participating. So you may you may find comfort. Again, we talk about that all the time. You may find comfort in that system, but that's still the same system. So I, I don't think black capitalism can save us from that. It can make us more comfortable for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, And to, to, to the topic here, it can extend our lives, but I don't know 
if that's a you know if it's making the quality of our late yeah, the quality of right. our late life is good. And I think yeah, because if you look at all of those things, if you layer all those, it made me think of what still you buy said. black stuff. I'm not. Yeah, I'm definitely no, not I always that. buy black. Yes, it made me think of what you said when we were talking about whether black people could be racist or were they prejudiced. These things all stack up, mm-hmm. right? And I think these all stack up, and could could point to capitalism being a bad thing. All these things together are also bad aspects of capitalism before you even inject a color mm-hmm. or a race or any of the systemic stuff to me, right? So capitalism won't solve it even if it's black. Do you think we can earn do you think we can earn our way to to respect and safety? Earn money. I mean, I don't I, I'm not saying just earn overall. I mean, do you think we can literally just I, keep I, working I, and earn I money? I do so. Time? I don't think we can do it in a vacuum. Right? Um, cuz obviously we need to participate in um in 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 the economy we need to participate mm-hmm. we need that inclusion that said i think if we can uh extend our um fellow black entrepreneurs and 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 you know enterprises if we can support them at a higher rate in terms of like from a capitalism standpoint, then I think we do, we can participate and change some of the things. Because at the end of the day, money talk bullshit walks. That's the mm-hmm. saying, you know, I don't know if it's an African-American or Liberia thing, but we say that. I think it's actually yeah. similar to the, um, to what we were saying about the the resources. Correct. Right, right there. Um, it's kind of the same idea. Yeah, we do, we do need money. We do need access, but they need us too. For so, sure. So if all, if, if, we, of course, we're not going to get everyone on one accord because some of us are comfortable, right? Some of us don't need change, right? Some of us don't need that. But if every black person decided, hey, we're not going to do anything in this white system anymore, meaning athletes, programmers, marketers. That's not feasible. But why isn't it, it feasible? If, yeah, some, if somebody did it, I think it could be feasible because I don't think if we you, just said we can how much money you earn. True. You're still black and you're still at a risk level that the same wealthy white person with equal funding would not be at. So I'm actually like it it, mm-hmm. it won't change it unless that money bands together. Like, listen, we drive trillions of dollars to the economy before you get to celebrities and stuff. They will feel an impact if we collectively said something. The question is, could we collectively do it? Not would it work? It hasn't been tested. And so I think research analytics guy that it's a hypothesis. Somebody has to put it, to put the theory to test to say with absolutism, this can't happen. Okay. Yeah, I think I think you know. Uh, so so just to get the flat out answer, you don't think you don't think we can earn our way. No. You, you said you said um, in a vacuum you you think we could, but because of all this other these other things, no. <laughs> it's you, heavy. You think we? I I you think I, we can get to comfort. You think I, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, we we. I, what can we all get to comfort? I don't think. No. We, yeah. no, 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 okay. no. Because it's such a small number of people that does it really change yeah. the overall impact. Of most of us are not going to get to that level where money is is a shield at this absolute level. And this is a personal gripe, and I don't want to go too far into it here, but that is one thing that um, one aspect of 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 that heroic form of black capitalism that I don't like, right? Where it's like. Hey man, I love, I love, I love Diddy. I love the the energy, the love, all of those things. Like, I love the fact that he's been able to earn all those things for him. But I I don't necessarily think that Diddy should always be like the first one speaking for black people on things. Just because you have a lot of money doesn't Correct. mean that you are the person that's saying saying the right things. But Correct. we have this thing where like 
the ultra capitalists i'm not going to mention his name on this podcast but where the ultra capitalists because they have money they are genius no man brother you made beats right you know like you you, that's you're a genius at that that does not mean you're not you're a genius at building cities agreed all those things we're not looking for a spokesperson right so and and that happens to me in 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 ultra capitalism um all right, so so the other thing I want to look at too, this is extreme, but would this save us from extreme harm? Re-segregation. Mm. So so I, an example I want to use is 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 a is a, a slightly different one. Jackie Robinson. So Jackie Robinson, as we know, integrated baseball. Most people think it was this lovely thing. You seen how it was portrayed in the movie? It was not. The integration of baseball had nothing to do with helping black people. It had nothing to do with giving us more visibility. It had everything to do with destroying a superior product because the Negro League players were better. And the Negro League players had a self-sustaining system of black accountants, black writers, black umpires, the whole business, everything around it, black bus drivers, black restaurants to stop on the road, everything around it was black. So the whole economy around the game was black. And the players were better. Josh Gibson is a lot better than Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. Satchel Page is better than almost I was gonna bring up every, every white pitcher I've ever seen. The Negro Leagues was better baseball. We didn't need to come to you as a result of integration. Why didn't you just give us the resources? We already had a better product. The whole goal of segregation was to make them comfort, comfortable and make us less comfortable. So maybe resegregation would make them uncomfortable and make us more comfortable. And I would say that it works until, like, until they burn it down, I was, I'm going to say again, because Black Wall Street, there's tons of towns like that, tons of places where it happens. They were segregated because it was the yeah, law. Rosewood, was it Rosewood the other one? Yes, yeah. yeah. They were segregated because it was the law, but also now there's desegregation, which was supposed to help us, and it has not. So is it better? And, and let's be honest, it's already segregated in America. Mm-hmm. Church, schools. Neighborhoods. Ev- neighborhoods sports right so it's not even resegregation is that we gonna actually speak about the thing that is already occurring the only thing that was integrated is they got more access to us to us right that's and it it made them a lot more money look at look at major league baseball to your point right where's the negro league well major league baseball is an interesting case because and that could be an episode too um what what major league baseball did was because the Negro Leagues was gone, the Negro Leagues also invested in the community. Like, they needed new players, so right. they are the ones investing in that. Major League Baseball didn't want to go invest in those communities, and it was cheaper for Major League Baseball to go to the Caribbean and invest in communities there. And the people are still brown, so people see it on television right. and don't think anything of it. That's why it was kind of big in this World Series that they pointed out that there was no American-born black players in in the world series we don't play baseball that much anymore and we were the best at it and it was considered america's game so they didn't want us to be the best at it right um but so so resegregation is extreme but that would give us uh some relief from some of this harm but it would introduce us to new harm we can't we can't they they still wouldn't want us to succeed so it would still be hard to you know have uh access to certain things and all but if we become our own focus instead of trying to integrate into their system, maybe we find better solutions. I mean, that that's true. I, I was about to say resegregation is tough because I, I was about to point out, look at uh, Liberia. Libya. Liberia, mm-hmm. y'all resegregated. Well, we did, and we're one of the poorest countries in the world, but I was about to say the reason I brought up Libya. Did y'all resegregate like white-black or just black, or like 
different. Well, no, I said black folks from here and went here, yeah. then went back. So everyone's still black, which is why yes. it's yeah, one yeah, of the poorest yeah. countries yeah. in the world, just so we clear. Yeah. Correct, correct, correct. <laughs> but I keep thinking about Libya, for example, what his entire mission was to empower the people of Libya, yeah. wealth and equality, you know, generation, you know, access to everything and, and bring the African Union together. But, um, you know, obviously we all know the implication of what happened there. So I think the extreme side of things. It's it's it, it, it's it's extreme because that's harsh on us too, right? Because you, right. you're pulling people away from what they know too, right? But it's a genocide, and I think that's an important part of this conversation. Is they don't call it a genocide; it is a genocide and an American one. Right. But I don't even think it's just America. I think it's global. Yeah, it's for sure. Yes. For sure. Yeah, yeah we yes. again, again, we we know that uh, white supremacy and racism is killing black people everywhere. Yeah, this that, that was just a topic for this, this show. Correct, correct, correct. I was just playing said, right, and in closing, I just wanna I wanna ask this one thing, and I know we kind of do this at the end of every show where we kind of try to bring it, you know, full circle. Do we think it will ever be quote safe for black people here? And, and this is our end. So say your wrap ups here and everything right here in your joint. No, I always tell people fully and openly, even white people, I don't want to take my last breath in this country because I would like to be at peace and I am peaceful and feel more welcome in the Caribbean and on the African continent. Well, you're always seen as a threat. Um, then you're you're never safe. So I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I think it's unfortunate. Um, I don't I don't think so. What about you, brother? Um, no, I don't. I that, don't think that I, is that is sad. It's I, don't, three I, don't. Of I was about us, to say, well, now we I'm all depressed. Think that is, uh, uh, America is not a, a safe place. I think that it's people. not even a thought. It's 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 a proven fact, right? Well, I, you know, uh, we, this episode is called "Who Shot You," and, and and I'll say this jokingly in closing. You know, as for me personally. Uh, if you do these things to me that shorten my lifespan or I think impact my lifespan, there's another song called I Shot You. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go.